Blog Talk Radio. This is Patty Holstrand, and this is KWOD Radio. Yes, we're here again. <laughs> it's Thursday, which means we've got over a Wednesday already. And the weekend's right around the corner. Top of the hour, 6 o'clock. And we have a lot to talk about. Just so everyone knows, to call on number 714-242-5145. And I believe we have Raymond online. But first, I'm going to introduce him. But I also want to remind you that this weekend is comic book. You have comic book book day tomorrow. So you go in and you can find your comic books, your favorite comic book store, and they have some free comic books for you. That'll be all day tomorrow. Oh, no, sorry, not tomorrow. It's Friday. I apologize. It's going to be Saturday. So just two more days of free comic books. Yay! Raymond Swanlin is a freelance illustrator who began his career working on the Odd World Inhabitants series of video games and has created artwork for Magic, The Gathering Cards, World of Warcraft, Aliens vs. Predator, Imagine FX, Disturbed, many sci-fi fantasy novel covers, and more. He won the Spectrum Award for in 2004 and the David, I'm sorry, David Kemmel, I sure hope I'm saying it right, uh, Legend Awards in 2012. His recent work includes a series of covers for Games Workshop's Warhammer 40,000 and a marketing workshop for DC Comics. Gee, I don't know anybody of DC Comics. Uh, animated movie, Batman The Dark Knight Returns. I never heard of Batman, so we'll have to talk about him. <laughs> Raymond Wallen will be at our, our artist guest of honor right here in Arizona. His first at Leprechaun 39, and of course that's next week already. Ah! Raymond is also up for this year's Spectrum Award again, or so I'm told by a friend of his, John Shinnhetti. Are you there, Raymond? Hey, yes, I'm here, Patty. Thanks for having me. That's okay. Hopefully, you heard the introduction. I did. Thank you. It's uh, always it sounds a little strange when I uh, hear somebody talking about me as if I'm not <laughs> in the room. But uh, <laughs> but I guess technically I'm not. But uh, thank you for that. I appreciate it. That's no problem. I'm sure sure that that there's some other things that uh, that we could probably add. But you know, we have that new Spectrum Award uh, news, so I had to had to get that in there. Yeah, I heard that, uh, I know that I got a couple of pieces in that they notified me about, but I did listen to uh, uh, your uh, interview with uh, uh, John Shintetti, and uh, apparently uh, the piece I did with him got in there, which I didn't even know about. So uh, <laughs> I know that, uh, I know I know the publishers sometimes uh, uh, put their uh, put art that's been done for them up uh, uh, and submit it to Spectrum, and the artists don't even know about it. So that's a double surprise for me, so... It's, uh, but it's definitely always an honor, and ever since I got into Spectrum for the first time, uh, God knows, uh, not sure how many years ago now, um, <laughs> probably probably at least eight or nine years ago, perhaps 
But uh, ever since I got in, I've submitted every year and at least gotten one piece in each year. So, uh, so it's definitely a tradition that I uh, that I have so much respect for them that I hope I can uh, keep being up to their bar and keep getting in each year. So I'll try my best. Yeah, you know that's uh, it's always good to get some award behind you. It uh, it does help to get the jobs, don't you think? <laughs> well, I mean that's actually how I. Um, got my first real freelance jobs was by um was through having my pieces in spectrum and uh mm-hmm. and that was enough for art directors to see the work I had and uh and I was fortunate enough that they were basically contacting me after that and and so I I, I definitely give a lot of credit to Spectrum for uh uh for giving me the exposure that that otherwise I'm not sure how I, how exactly I would have achieved. So <laughs> Wow! It's a great, yeah, it's a great it's a great opportunity, and I always tell any aspiring artist who asks me quite often, "How do they break in?" And you just got to get it out there, and somebody will see you. And if your uh, art speaks to them, they'll get in touch with you. So they're always looking for new art. <laughs> there, there you go, and that's uh, of course uh, some very good uh, advice for any art, for art, artists as well as author. So Absolutely. yeah, it's you know I'm sure that we're going we're going to be going over quite a bit of that this this next week weekend when oh, yeah. you're here. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I want to know, okay, is I want people to get to know who you are because if I'm if I'm not mistaken, this is your first time being a guest of honor. Uh yes, I mean I have a I have gone and accepted awards and given little talks and I actually frequently go to. Uh, um uh, conventions for uh the 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 card game Magic the Gathering. Uh mm-hmm. so yeah. I, I do go and meet the fans a lot, but this is definitely my first time as a guest of honor and to have that kind of attention on me. So <laughs> so yes it is actually uh, it is actually pretty new. And uh and so I, I suppose uh I'll be somewhat of a new face for some of the fans, I suppose. And for, for those who may not listen to the uh interview with John uh, John Hetty from Wizards of the Coast. Uh, how I happened upon Raymond was that I had looked at specifically, I was looking for a younger generation uh, to be able to tap into and, and be able to, you know, uh, get them reintroduced to Leprechaun because we're 39 years old, so <laughs> which is pretty old for a convention. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we wanted to try to, you know, get some new blood in, and uh, I said, well, you know, we really need to, uh, really get some of the bigger companies to help us to, you know, you get some notoriety out here. So um, I looked towards, you know, Wizards of the Coast to help uh, help out, and I saw John. And, uh, you know, he seemed very, you know, he's very in- influential, tries to help kids, you know, really uh, mentor people. And I thought, this is this is terrific, you know. So I contacted him, and he, he said, I would love to be your, your artist guest of honor, except... While I do doodle, I don't, you know, I'm not considered a national artist. I'm an art director. That's and right. so mm-hmm. I, I appreciated his candor uh, and and said, well, you know, that's something different we haven't done. We never really, haven't really done an art industry uh, guest of honor before. So that's I said, mm-hmm. yeah, so why not do it, you know? You've got the backing of uh, Wizard of the Coast, and so you know why not you know go ahead and let John come in and and uh, you know give his two cents. And then I started looking. I I said John, you know, who who would you think goes well? You know I don't want to show any favoritism. 
I said, okay. <laughs> okay. And she says, well, if you look towards the Hugo winners, and I said, you know, everybody tells me that. And honestly, I've already had all them. Yeah. Because <sighs> um, Leprechaun is considered uh, mostly an art for the art industry. So science, sci fantasy, horror, uh, in the art, but with a bent towards the art. So we've had, you know, uh, Todd Lockwood and, uh, uh, oh, geez, that going blank on me. Uh, John, John, man. Gene, uh, Gene think, Cola? Um I'm not no, gonna guess. John. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. I know. So anyway, we, we've had we've had all the Johns, okay? And yeah. <laughs> and I then I was looking at specifically some some things that uh, that was on the website and saw your work and I thought, wow, you have such depth of character, but you also have backgrounds that just totally make create a whole new world that, you know, honestly, I almost look at almost anything of yours and can come up with an idea for a story, which is, is really great for an, an author. <laughs> so I said, well, I think, I really think that uh, I would love to have Raymond come in, and I asked John about it, uh, John Chenhetti, and he says, you know, I've never personally met him yet, but he's, he is really gifted artist and I think that he would he would love to come out and he he lives in California. I said, Hey, we're right near Arizona. We're right next door. It's cheaper. So I said, Yeah, let's see if I can get and I said, Do you happen to know how to get a hold of him? He goes, Sure. So uh, and that's how it happened. Oh wow. That's funny 'cause I uh when I received the invitation I Part of me in the back of my mind was probably it was asking, well, I wonder how many people they asked who already, you know, like, oh, it was too far to go, they couldn't do it, they couldn't make it, and then I was, you know, a little ways down the list, and I'm like, oh yeah, sure, that's not too far away, I'll give that a go. But uh, it's interesting to hear that 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 uh, it came together in such a sort of uh, organic way, where you just kind of you went on, to, I, you went on to the wizards. Yeah. Uh, website, and then you just mm-hmm. kind of gravitated towards something in particular. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, uh, something yeah. That, that that spoke to me. You know, something oh. that it's it said. Uh, you know, it spoke to me in in multiple ways, in multiple ways as an author, also in ways of of what I like to see. And you know, the, your monsters, your, your werewolves are just cool. So <laughs> I, I happen to love werewolves. So. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So you you probably saw the the green piece then, where the werewolf that had the sort of white fire drifting off of it, or something like that. Oh yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, okay, that's probably yeah. one. I really do like that piece as well. It's one of my favorite pieces of the last couple of years. So, so I'm glad you were able to see that one. But it's very flattering that of all the great art that you saw, I'm sure you saw on the uh, wizard site that you gravitated towards mine. So I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. It's okay, and I said, I said well. Uh, it's if you haven't been here yet, and so you know that's that's the other thing. It says number one, you're young. You know, I don't know how old you are, but you're definitely you're definitely. Uh, I would say I'm gonna I'm gonna venture to say about 28. <laughs> okay. Are you, are you older than that? <laughs> I actually am. I'm actually uh, I'm actually 35. But if I'm clean shaven and and you meet me, you'll you'll probably still think I'm 28. So that's fine. You go. It's all good. <laughs> okay. So but uh, it, well, there's no doubt really, though that. Mm, 35 is 35 is still pretty young. 
Oh, yeah. I, I, okay. I keep telling myself that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you have to. You know, you, exactly. you, every year exactly. from now on, you have to tell yourself that. <laughs> <laughs> I just turned 50, uh, so, so it's like, okay, I really have to tell myself now that it's only 50. <laughs> <laughs> it's only 50. It's like you got a whole half your life ahead of you. It's plenty of time. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. But, uh, a friend who wants to live until he's 100, so he, he said, I'm only halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no doubt that I would consider myself pretty much part of the uh, of a the younger or the current generation of uh, of illustrators in science fiction and fantasy right now. Um, mm-hmm. Although, I mean, I did get my start doing um, art um, for a living when I was 19, so I've actually been in the industry for quite a while. Uh, compared to a lot of people who necessarily go through uh, art school and such, uh, and then kind of work for a while to build up a portfolio and get things in, I was I kind of dove right into uh, just uh, doing art day in day out um, as a job uh, when I was yeah when I was 19. So uh, so I do kind of feel like I've been around for a little while, but but stylistically and and just the medium that I work in and everything I think is is a is pretty well a reflection of. Uh, of more or less the current generation, because I think about um, artists who are probably only, um, you know, maybe ten years older than me, and I and uh, sometimes I I see them as being a generation ahead of me because I was looking at their art when I was uh, when I was com- when I was uh, you know coming up and you know as a formative artist and everything, and and they seem older than me now. <laughs> And they still, well, they are older than me, but they, even though in a relative sense we're closer in age and closer towards being colleagues in the industry, I still uh, I still consider them to be, you know, head and shoulders above and ahead of me because of uh, because I was inspired by them. So, I don't know. Uh, it's it's probably creeping up on me that, uh, that there will be artists that are younger than me that are looking at my art and being inspired in a similar way. Uh, so I'd be so flattered to... <laughs> to uh, to be that for them, I would be, uh, you know, it, it'll probably start uh, giving me a better sense of <laughs> how long I have been working and uh, and uh, how far I might have come in the last uh, fifteen or twenty years. So, well, exactly. I mean, you have to have some kind of experience in order to get to where you are now. Uh, I, oh, I got the name, by the way, is John Picaccio. Oh, okay, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's already been here. I sit here, sit here digging through because it's just driving me nuts when I can't remember somebody. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you, you, you've got uh, you got the year behind you, and you started young. So you know, uh, did did you doodle as a kid? Is that how you found out you you liked art? Oh, definitely, and probably that that sort of cliched artist story of where I can't even remember when I started because I probably started so young. And uh, I still, well, I mean, I still remember the stories from my, you know, grandmother telling me, oh, yeah, drawing that dinosaur with the, the volcano in the background. And she, you know, <laughs> kept it up on her refrigerator for 10 years. And I would still be visiting her and be like, where'd that come from? Who drew that? And she's like, you did <laughs> 10 years ago. Like, wow. Uh, so, there, yeah, there's no doubt that I'm just one of those stories where I've been doing it ever since I was a, you know, a really little kid. And, and I was the only brother amongst sisters so i had a lot of time in my own room to myself that uh that i tend to uh, spend just exploring my imagination uh you know reading books looking at a lot of illustrated books as well and then 
occasionally drawing on the walls, but mostly just drawing on uh, paper and <laughs> keeping it, uh, trying to keep it not too crazy, but, uh, but I definitely was just exploring drawing from a very young age, so although I have spent a lot of time working at getting better and better, I'm no... I'm no savant or genius or anything like that. I just work really hard at it. But the, uh, uh, the, like the, I guess at a young age, it did come a, a fairly, naturally. fairly naturally, yeah. fairly naturally to me. So, so, so you were the, definitely uh, gifted enough. I mean, as your creative, uh, your gift, I would say creatively. Just enough, just enough to keep me, uh, to keep me motivated, uh, to keep going at it. So, uh, yeah, and I would say that it was, it, but you know, it 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 uh, developed very slowly. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I made huge leaps and bounds uh, at any particular time, but uh, but I just uh, stuck to it um, for, like I said, all the way back to as far as I can remember. So so yeah, it's one of those kind of stories, I suppose. So where do you pull your inspiration from now? I. Uh, I would say that uh, I've certainly been, you know, alive long enough and tra- and traveled enough that I uh, that I definitely draw on uh, a lot of a lot of memories of places that I've been to, and I, and I sort of keep a list of of things that I've seen in my mind um, of of sort of cultural styles and things like that that I'd like to explore. So that's part of where my inspiration comes from now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still I still stay on top of the uh, of uh, what's going on in in the world of arts and mostly mostly the world of illustration, um, but also I'm a I'm a huge movie lover and and <laughs> I find that to be you know a pretty uh, you know a pretty amazing art form, and yeah. certainly a, a certainly a collective art form, not really a personal art form, but um, but a collective one, but an art form nonetheless. So uh, yeah, I find a lot of inspiration in uh, in uh, in storytelling. And, uh, I know what you mean. Kind of like uh, the inspiration you might have gotten from the werewolves, you know, uh, <laughs> because you know some of these uh, you know, these designers of these costumes and these monsters uh, for television and for movies have been just phenomenal, and you know the detail and depth of that monster. That's right. The the industry and the and the sort of uh, savvy nature of the audience. Demands that it that it become more detailed and uh, more realistic and more just uh, more spectacular with you know each with each film. So the market itself drives the art to be you know just more uh, you know just uh, more intense and it just and it just adds up very quickly. And and so I think that yeah I think the the film industry definitely pushes a lot of. Uh, a lot of uh, the art retroactively. I'm sure filmmakers are inspired by illustrations they saw on the covers of the books they were reading, and then you know, and then went to make their films. And and uh, now the illustrators are being uh, uh, are being influenced by that as well. So it, it's it's I think I think it's circ- circular. So it uh, so it's in so when asking me <laughs> where do I get my inspiration from now, it's so hard <laughs> because it really is from so many different sources, and. Honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. I think that um, I think that having like the largest variety to uh, work from is uh, is definitely what what keeps me excited to uh, to continue to do illustration day in and day out. Wow! And I know I'm looking forward to seeing some of your pieces in person. So, 
to say I've been looking at them online, uh, you know, for the months that we've been work, you know, pulling this all together. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing some things in person because I think that uh, it's it's a new dimension when you can see it in person compared to uh, seeing it on a screen. The colors obviously are going to be different because your RGB and said, you know, you've got your true colors on your real, uh, whatever it is that you're. <laughs> It is important to remember that uh, that I did actually create pretty much all the art that I would have sent to you and that uh, would be in the show. Um, it's all created in the computer, so it's so in a way that that is its sort of natural medium and maybe even its natural place to be viewed in some ways. Um, uh-huh. Although it all, most of it is meant to be ultimately printed out and on the cover of a book or on a card or on and, you know what have you, and uh, so. It's not, you know, it's not necessarily untrue to see it, uh, you know, on on a computer screen. But it's also a, um, but it's a very different experience to look at it on a computer screen as to see it uh, hanging on a wall in a gallery or something like that. Mhm. Mhm. And of course, that's that's how we do our our, our show. We we've got flats. Uh, we we hang this stuff up up on or or on tables for you know other uh, prints that we can, uh, you know, sell to our your fans of all this particular work, so that's that's what Leprechaun's all about. Is is and and that's the other reason I said, you know, I want somebody who hasn't been here yet, uh, and and introduce you, you know, to a whole new you know, to people who love that kind of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way, they find somebody else new they like they can fall in love with. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's what we do here. Um, so we have models of of your art with people in them. I, I saw that your people. Uh, do you use models when you, uh, or do you just kind of study people and and kind of go with what you have in your head? With, uh, I've never been part of the school of of using models uh, for my artwork. Uh, uh, I think if you see my earlier work, it, it would be that would probably be pretty, uh, you know, more clear that. You know, I was still learning lighting and things like that. So as opposed to necessarily like taking a photograph of a model that's dressed up fairly, um, like fairly well, like uh, the character I'm going for, and then sort of, and then sort of using that as a direct reference, I've always been far more interested in in inventing it purely uh, in the uh, in the art itself. Because the way I tend to start a piece of art. Is uh, is really with the with gesture, where if I'm if I'm drawing a character, a character oftentimes in action, uh, but not always, but oftentimes it is in action. Then I use a lot of very loose brush strokes to to suggest the pose and the uh, and the and the motion of the character, and then and then I would start to sort of sculpt it. Uh, and you know, make the then make the anatomy more accurate and sculpt it to fit that gesture, and uh, and I suppose I could you know take uh, pictures of models, but I actually really like the experience of of feeling like I'm understanding the three dimensionality of it and the physics of the way light works. It it, I, it just makes me feel like it makes me a a stronger artist for myself to to try so hard to to really. Imagine that scene that I'm painting from many different angles, and I've just chosen one angle to actually do it from, as opposed to choosing a, a photograph that I've, of a model I've taken uh, and 
and to just focus on on, on that alone. So mm-hmm. it's I, it's just a different uh, it, it's certainly just a different approach. And yeah. but I but I like the fact that it's uh, that it's not something you can just take a picture of. It's it's something that is, has been invented uh, you know purely uh, in the process of of making the art. So. <laughs> it's, uh-huh. uh, it mostly, yeah, it mostly comes from the the probably the way I grew up, uh, or basically the way I, I taught myself to be an artist. Where uh, I never did um, even think about really taking a picture of a person or anything that I was drawing. It was always something that I just wanted to invent as I was going. So that's yeah, my process. Well, I think that takes a you know a lot stronger creative uh, you know uh, ability to think of it in your head and and from different angles. I mean that's that's borderline brilliant, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's really just it's really just a lot of work, but uh, but it's but I enjoy it. I mean, when uh, when I'm starting a piece, I I actually do. Uh, um, I would say that I front load the process of of doing uh, the artwork in the sense that I do a lot of I do a lot of full color sketches of uh, of the composition itself, you know, and I try it from from multiple different angles until I find the one that I like because in a way I'm I'm often viewing the scene and the character as more or less a movie in my head. And so I can, so I'm thinking of it almost like moving, uh, you know, like a, mo- moving the movie camera around to uh, till I till I find the uh, the angle that is, you know, the the most dramatic or expresses what I'm what I'm trying to get across. And yeah. you know, I it, but it, I do have to, you know, draw it a number of times before I go. Okay, yes, that feels more like what I'm seeing in my head, because oftentimes what I'm seeing in my head is in motion. So. You might, you know, I might, you know, I, I might see the motion that's happening over and over in my head, but trying to just create a still frame of that, it's like you think, like when you've drawn it, it seems like you've drawn exactly what's in your head, but now that it's static and it's not moving, yeah, you you find that it's not uh, that it's not quite capturing the motion I'm seeing in my head, but that's oftentimes why in my pieces also. There's always a sense of motion. Something is always moving, and it almost feels like you've caught something, almost like it's motion blurred, you know, running running past the camera. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's really kind of <laughs> where it comes from from that angle. Yeah, that would explain uh, you know, your style. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, 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 and honestly, if you really think about it, you know, you are creating kind of like an author does. They got the scene in their head, and they're trying to get it on paper. They're trying to write the emotion and the and the description of what they're seeing in their head and sometimes it doesn't quite come out right. Um, yeah, that's and, right because once you once you've committed to uh, telling it one way, suddenly it doesn't have all of the sort of three-dimensionality that you might have wanted it to. So you have to try again until you capture yeah, it, yeah, capture yeah. it either in words or images, you know, something close to how kind of big and abstract it can be in your head. So that's yeah, yeah that, that's one of the biggest challenges of being creative at all. You're probably right. You're probably right. That is yeah. a creative. That is a creative. Uh, you know, the, the creative. Um, what we have to do, the steps yeah. we have to do in order in order to bring out our creativity that's in our head. Yeah. Uh, but that's we're always that's whittling it down. <laughs> yeah, we're always whittling it down to in order to actually 
presented to another person because you can't just download all of those ideas that are in your head. You have no. to you have to decide which ones are the the most pure so that you can pass those along. And that's hard because it can almost be like static. Uh, like there's so many ideas, it becomes like, it can be almost become like white noise in the brain. But that is you know that's the challenge of of not just being an artist but also um, of being as an illustrator of being creative on demand, as I always call it. It's it's something where you know sometimes your your head is not as clear as it could be, and that's the ch- the challenge is to still uh, find a fairly pure image in there somewhere. And uh, you know so that's that to me is actually one of the biggest challenges of being an, uh, a freelance illustrator. Mm-hmm. Is just is just to you don't know that you're always going to be perfectly on your A game. No. So, sure. so how do you you know how do you try and tap into that as often as possible, or even when you're not feeling at your best, how do you how do you still bring your best out? And those are that's something that's that's hard to explain, but um, but perhaps no, possible. I understand <laughs> totally. I, I have the same issue as uh, I, I design covers for for books. And I have people who say, well, you know, they give me their image and, you know, get, they give me the idea and I start searching and it's not, and then it comes together, it's not quite right. And I'm not happy with it. <laughs> it's because you can't turn on your create that, that your A game, as you put it, every time. And every day is not, it's not an A game. But for some reason, one day, you know, um, after this last cover I did, she gave me some ideas and, and I've, Gave her, you know, uh, four ideas, and and she really liked one, and but her publisher didn't like it. And so I went, went back to the drawing board, um, and she said, "Well, why don't we try something like, you know, this?" And I said, "Okay." So I looked at looked again, found something, and and I was much happier with uh, with the second round and one specifically. Mm-hmm. And then everybody was happy. <laughs> Yeah, oftentimes it can also be a bit of a, uh, a curse for me that I do so many. As I said, I do I do many full color um, sketches right at the uh, the outset of designing it, and I basically send well, I send all the best of those color sketches to mm-hmm. an art director or client for them to choose which uh, which certain which which suits them best. And it can often be that I have a favorite, but that isn't their favorite. So there's, you know, but I will, I will go for what respond, what they respond to, you know. And I try, I try not to send any sketches in any batch that, where I really wouldn't want to do that as a cover because I could always get stuck with doing that as a cover. So yeah, so I, I try and give it. Not happy with it. I have to try and send as as big a variety uh, as big a, I, I try to send as big a variety as I can so they have as many options. But you know, I gotta I, I also have to serve myself to the extent that I don't want to be stuck with a composition that I inherently don't feel is is either the the best for this you know, for that particular project or even that I don't really like it that much at all. It's okay, but you know, and that that does happen sometimes though where I have to uh, take uh, a sketch that wasn't really my favorite and figure out a way to make it my favorite mm-hmm. in a way um, to really okay bring out okay get rid of the things that are that are you know that are not working for me but still mm-hmm. you know keep true to what the original sketch was trying to do so yeah yeah exactly 
And I, I'm not an illustrator. I'm a designer. In other words, I mm-hmm. take pieces and make it into something else. So I could never, uh, you know, I used to, I've never really been a freehand drawer, which is something I would love to do. But, you know, that's just not my, uh, not my uh, bag of creativity. So that's okay. Well, don't let my, don't let my story about drawing ever since I was a little kid deter you. You don't need to draw for 35 years in order to be able to <laughs> express yourself through art. That's definitely not true. But the, uh, I think that you could pick it up at any time. But, uh, oh, yeah. but you do, but you will have to work through it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, either you can draw a straight line or you can't. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, you know, we all have our certain uh, links or certain things that we're creative in. Um, uh, and so I'm able to actually take something that you did and be able to finish it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where that's where I'm, I work hand-in-hand with, with, you know, artists to do that. So mm-hmm. that's just what I do. So. And it's a good team-oriented type of thing, and and it works well. So say, say, hey, you know, if you move this character a little, you know, uh, you know, three A's to the left, I can have more room for the for the cover title. They don't think about that sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true, but I I, I also do love uh, graphic design. Uh, I don't get a chance to do it very often, but. But uh, I find it, or or I would also say like things like logo design, um, because it's very different than um, than telling a story. <laughs> uh, it's it really is about a form language that just in a, in its kind of purity just looks pleasing to the eye, but also communicates an idea. But in a but I think in a very clean and 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 a, a pretty pure way, uh, compared to a a big elaborate illustration that, where there's you know many subtle uh, details uh, that you could kind of read into, while something like graphic design needs to, it needs to hit you uh, immediately, and you need to and and be able to respond to it immediately as well. So, I think awesome. yeah, I, I, I love graphic yeah. design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you're saying, and and since we're bringing this up, um, your cover for the program book for the for the, for the Oricon, uh you you have this knack for you have so many layers and so many nuances to the you know to the world building that you have on there and i was in there looking at it and said well that's not really what i had in mind for warriors of the rainbow but you know what then i looked at it and said oh my gosh there's a story there <laughs> well that actually is where uh when you or gave me the uh the concept of Warriors of the Rainbow, I, I did the, my research to, to see uh, what exactly that was all about. And as it being a... I'm actually not entirely sure when it was when it was created. Um, there's a suggestion that it's, it's a very old mythology, but it's also, I, th- I guess, the, the, the title of Warriors of the Rainbow was something that was, that was more latched onto in, like, the 70s and things like that. Is that correct? Well, it was our original idea was that it was from Hopis, yeah, that's right. you know, so in Arizona. Uh, right. And so it's an ancient, uh, it's an ancient Native American uh, mythology and mm-hmm. prophecy, right? Which is why uh, I, that's exactly. I'm looking at your stuff, going, going, oh my gosh, it's this warriors of the rainbow is a different type of warrior. We're talking about animals here, which is exactly right. what the Hopi idea was. You know, it's not just animals, but everyone. You know, every creed. Uh, we're all we're all different, but yet we're the same. And that's right. And uh, <laughs> and that was the, and and so instead of actually using a big rainbow 
in my piece, which I did consider doing, uh, I ended up going with uh, with simply uh, really what I what I would call a symbolic animal that mm-hmm. that in it in itself uh, represents a sort of a and it's not really it's not a warrior uh, or anything like that. It's it's actually a walking city and or a walking palace and. To me, that was just that was really just a uh, uh, you know the, an idea of, of sort of a an animal spirit or a spirit of nature that is actually thriving and growing and and that could be the future of civilization. So it's up to, and and as you mentioned, I, I did try and put so many layers of of sort of symbolism and meaning mm-hmm. and just details to to read that it would allow people to find their own story in it as well. And, yeah, and that's yeah. that's what gets me really excited about doing a piece like that. We're doing all this talking, and and, and nobody who's uh, probably listening to this is able to see it at the moment. But the uh, <laughs> but uh, hopefully uh, <laughs> they'll get a chance to look at it and remember what it's all about. Well, as soon as yeah, I want them to see it because uh, it's going to print. Actually, it's already at the printer. So uh, we're hoping that that is definitely going. I want them to see it when they get it. Obviously, you guys are. To tell leprechaun people, I know they're sitting there listening. Uh, you got to come to leprechaun and get get this program book, obviously, so that way you have this just you know uh, unique piece, you know piece that uh, Raymond created for us, and and then you know sit there and, and enjoy it and and think about all the different stories that can come out of it. Uh, you know, <laughs> I plan on writing you know the story that came to my my head when I was looking at your piece. Uh, and it's something I've never really written before, but it's definitely fantasy. Uh, huh. So, it's, well, I hope you do. Was... I think that would be it. Would be amazing <laughs> if uh, if it was able to the the painting itself was able to have offspring of some kind, which are basically by people being inspired by it and making something themselves. So, uh, so yeah, I hope you I hope you get a chance to do that. <laughs> well, I started it. Because I, I, it was inspired by the piece, and and said, you know, "Wow, this is something I, I don't think I've ever gotten into." But uh, it's, it's it's definitely a cool idea, and I love animals, and uh, I do have animals in my in my fantasy writing, so it's it's not too far of a stretch. It's yeah. uh, it's it is a world of of animals, and and I think that this is something that we are getting more into when it comes to science fiction. Um, I think I, I talked to Jack uh, McDevitt uh, yesterday about how we're losing some of the ideas of science fiction because we've we've already been there, done that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, now we're getting, you know, even he had the the thought and idea that, you know, we need to look at what is our world going to be like 8,000 years from now. <laughs> and then and then go backwards and figure out, you know, what went wrong or, or what went right. So, uh, that's exactly right. That's, I think that uh, it's true. I think that science fiction and fantasy, for that matter, has have been uh, quite grounded in the last, uh, probably mostly the last twenty years. I think uh, there's been a lot of uh, sort of going inwards uh, uh, with stories, as opposed to going out into the into the uh, far reaches of the future yeah. or the far reaches of the universe for that matter and uh, it's been a lot more of uh, stories that are more uh, central to to our experience right now and uh, and so I, yeah. I agree that I, I would I would love to see um, stories that that as they as they call it explore more hard science fiction um, yeah. where they're where they're really where they really are exploring 
like almost philosophical ideas um, and uh, and really challenging the reader or the viewer, however you put it. So. Yeah, that's that's you know if you really think about it, and, and we talk about this sometimes, is that if you look at the, the television shows now, um, hardly any of them are. I don't think any of them right now are actually in space. Uh, yeah, not very many. Uh, I mean, there's some of them out there. So they're 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 on they're in a alternate uh, universe, or there are they're on Earth. You know, uh, you know millenniums now, yeah, mm-hmm. way in the future, but they're not they're not in space anymore. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's it's definitely true that, uh, like, I definitely grew up with, as a teenager with uh, with the uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation series uh, mm-hmm. on TV, and and I thought that uh, I didn't realize it at the time. I only realized it now when I look back. But but the um, uh, you know, all the the writing wasn't so. It wasn't perhaps as edgy as uh, as uh, dramas tend to be <laughs> these days. But they really did explore what you know what I would consider hard science fiction of of uh, of really pushing the limits and making you think about uh, um, the ideas of perhaps you know building a giant sphere around a sun or. Um, or living an entire lifetime in a matter of a couple hours, but you're just doing it in your head. You know, it's uh, that's something. Yeah, it's something that I just don't see that much anymore, and uh, and I do miss that. I do miss it for sure. <laughs> yeah, and you think, well, you know, here we're all saying, hey, this one to read. Uh, why aren't we getting it? And so that that's what we'll be talking about next weekend with, with Jack Devin and, and uh, you know, he is what I consider one of the last real science fiction writers. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're losing them. That's yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's it, it's sad every time I hear about one of my writer writing heroes, um, yeah. uh, you know, uh, leaving us. And uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, like there's certainly you know always there's always a new guard um, that's coming up. But I think it's also it's just a reflection of uh, of where our culture is at right now. That that we are very concerned about ourselves and the here and now at this at the moment and as opposed to necessarily kind of using our using our imaginations and and uh and really our you know our motivation to look towards the future and to look pretty far into the future potentially and yeah. and not to and to not just see an apocalypse which tends to be that the that's yeah. pretty much the standard right now. It's always going to be an apocalypse of some kind, and although you know it's always possible, but it's uh, but it'd be nice to see without perhaps being uh, you know too idealistic to see a future where it does, it's not always uh, just the the aftermath of of a complete devastation. So, <laughs> but it does I show. Agree. It does show where we're, what you know what where our society is focusing right now, and it's. And uh, you know that 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 reveals a lot. So. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And of course, uh, it's not just writing, but also artwork has to reflect, you know, the uh, the, the direction that the society is going. Um, it's so you know, I know you did Alien, and I know you did uh, Predator, which of course is my my son's 19. It's one of his favorite, uh, Alien yeah. versus Predator. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
And and so you know, he'll be able to, to actually meet you too this weekend. Um, so he he said, uh, you know, because there's always always the, the question, which one would win, you know. Uh, <laughs> so I was asking you... the same thing when I was 15 years old. So those those, <laughs> those characters have been around for a long time, and those those two in particular were some of uh, you know were, were big inspiration for me um, uh, to even like I would have drawings from you know from 20 years ago that uh that I was doing in both of those characters and models that I was making and it was kind of strange to get the opportunity to officially do artwork for for those properties that they're still around and that they they still interest people um uh, just as much as they ever have and they still interest me so uh it's uh, yeah it's it's uh it's great to keep exploring that kind of stuff and it's nostalgic <laughs> while at the same time uh, it's very present as well. So, so you know, those aliens and predator, those in particular, are definitely uh, interesting and close to my heart in a weird way. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I brought them up. I, I and you know that you did work on there, and so I was wondering whether or not that was influenced. So you, you played right into that. Good oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so your backgrounds tell a story of all their own. How do you create the depth of that world that you're that you're that you wind up ending up with. I mean, it's. it's uh, I, I think it's an outgrowth of uh, of what I was talking about before about when I approach the art, I'm seeing it as a story. And uh, but uh, beyond that, of course, I mean, uh, most of the art that I'm doing is uh, is uh, for clients, for uh, for books, for <laughs> uh, for album cover art. You know, for comic books, uh, sometimes for films, and uh, I, you know, I personally really, oh, video games as well. I, I, I definitely always like to be part of a storytelling process. So, because that's where that's where the atmosphere, what's going on in the background, I, I want to know as much information as I can um, going into a piece in order to. Uh, in order to give it that depth and and to not just feel like it's a you know it has the bare minimum of elements that it needs in order to be a complete piece you know a finished piece of artwork um I honestly feel like I do my best work and enjoy my work the best when I get an like for a book cover when I get an entire manuscript uh to read uh ahead of time because then I can choose. Uh, you know what? What do I feel like the themes of the story are? And uh, I could just choose a particular scene, which is oftentimes what art directors supply to, uh, excuse me, to uh, uh, to the uh, illustrators themselves. It's just simply you know, like here's a chapter, or even just here's a here's a couple paragraphs of description of what we'd like you to paint. And and that can be challenging. It can be some. Some people find it freeing, but uh, I think it's challenging because there's not that much detail, and and I can certainly fill it in for myself. But I really do want it to serve the uh, the product. Want it to serve the story of the book as best as it can. And uh, and you know my interpretation of what I read can sometimes be different than what the uh, author might have intended. But I think that the spirit is always there, and. I, and so the more information I can get from whatever artist I would say that, or whatever artist I mean, an author or a musician or what have you, 
um, I see it's, it's, it's basically a collaboration where yeah. uh, you know, we're working together to create something. And But in the end, especially with book covers, I consider obviously the book is the primary focus. I just hope that whatever I provide can help uh, sell that book or help people to just simply pick it up and be intrigued by it because it's it's just a single piece of art on the cover. The real meat of it all is obviously in the book itself. So. Mm. Yeah. So, but but yeah. if it comes to like, how do I fill out the backgrounds? It is, you know, quite simply, I like to, I enjoy inhabiting uh, a world that, um, you know, even if it's fairly realistic, it's still in my imagination, and I, I like to inhabit that and to, and, and to just simply almost take a snapshot of while I'm, you know, enjoying traveling through that world. So, and so I always want to give those layers of depth and interest, and. And I, will, I like to look at the piece when it's done and and feel like I've captured a little bit of uh, the detail of what I you know what I see in my mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm sharing some pictures online uh, with everyone. And of course, your your website is really it's got a moodiness to it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, that website's a. While now, so it's probably it's probably time that I that I I give a a new aesthetic to the whole thing. But but I uh, but I, I really uh, when I was creating that website, cause I created it all myself. Um, I, I wanted to I wanted it to have uh, like the feeling of like getting away from like the cleanliness and the the sterility of uh, of, of computers and the internet and see mm-hmm. if I can create. Of the feeling of you're looking into sort of an inky blackness, and the things that these these things are illuminated that uh, you know that have a lot of age and texture, and you can almost reach out and touch them. Everything. Yeah. So I tried to make everything on that website such that it feels like a tangible thing that, that's that's there in front of you. And and to be honest, I I think I still really like the idea of of websites and things like that where. You don't feel like you're just uh, surfing something that's two-dimensional, but something where you almost feel like you could reach inside of it. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that probably reflects so much about you know who I am as an artist as well. So, well, for for instance, you got a picture here of Disturbed, and and you know, he's uh, uh, being he's got strapped, you know, strapped back so that way he doesn't come out of out of the out of the computer. And it just feels like he's 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 fairly on the edge of being able to reach out and grab you. <laughs> but I I like oh, your yeah. the edginess. You've got you've got a, a you know a, an industrial old industrial look to it, and uh, with the gears and and you know your texture that like you were talking about, yeah. And, and you've got some symbol symbolisms here too, uh, you know some old versus new kind of stuff. Oh, absolutely. So I'm a, I'm definitely a lover of symbolism, and and even when it's not asked for directly in any of the illustrations I do, I I I, I almost reflexively will um, add in layers of symbolism. And it also, when I'm given a project where I have a, a lot of freedom, I also that's that's like you know when you have that you know the 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 blank page in front of you. And you can and you can do anything. Then I I I, I fall back on the symbolism and the, and what you know what am I trying to express at its very kind of 
uh, almost at its most abstract. What am I trying to say? Because then all the details can come later. But what am I trying to say? It's just as yeah. we were talking about the cover for the program with the uh, with the. Um, I know. So it's it, it's basically <laughs> a mechanical rhinoceros. It's, uh-huh. it, it was it was really the symbolism behind it that was that was uh, that drove everything that that came after that. So yeah, absolutely. I, I yeah, like I said, a lover of symbolism. <laughs> so uh, when did you get started working specifically for Wizards of the Coast? What, what piece did you start on with them? Yeah, well, Wizards of the Coast was uh, was definitely one of the uh, one of the first companies that contacted me after I had a, uh, a a piece or two in the Spectrum Annual, and that would have to go back to at least. Um, it would actually at this point it would probably be about um, eight to nine years ago now, um, and the uh, it was, I was contacted by an art director named uh, Matt Adelsberger, uh, who works at Wizards of the Coast. And although I have I don't work with him anymore because I think he's moved to an, another uh, department. I did work with him for many years, and uh, they just uh, brought me in to the uh, Forgotten Realms. Uh, uh, the Forgotten Realms novels that they were uh, they were going for, and and as is the nature with those novels, they are often in in many of them are in a series. So that kind of created a momentum. Of as soon as I as soon as I had done one uh, piece that was pretty solid, then it was like, well, let's let's just keep going with the series, and 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 eventually I, I was definitely ramped up to doing many many covers um, each year. But uh, when I first started doing uh, pieces for them, I was actually working full-time at a video game company called Oddworld Inhabitants. And I was, uh, I was one, of the, uh, the, one of the main uh, character and background designers uh, there at the time. I was doing some art direction on some of the uh, 3D animation that we were doing uh, for the games. And, and I was able to simply, I mean... Working on illustrations for fantasy was was actually a, a very nice, uh, even though it was a lot of work where I would have to go home from my full time job and then spend, you know, more time doing art. It was very freeing and and I it was something I could just simply work on by myself and in that in a way was sort of therapeutic. And so, but gradually, um, I uh, built up enough, uh, or I was taking on enough projects that I was able to move on from the video game company and be just uh and do just freelance and and uh, and basically I've been doing just uh like freelance ever since so uh so that was probably uh, probably about 7 years ago I started doing freelance full time mm-hmm. and uh and I've I still and to this day I do a a lot of work for Wizards of the Coast um now I don't do as many novels I do a lot of paintings for their Magic the Gathering card game, mm-hmm. and and that's a, and I think it's it's a that particular game is is a great um, it's a, it's a great property to be part of or to take part in as an artist because they really do give us quite a bit of freedom to explore our own style and as you were mentioning with the werewolves before things like that it's just an opportunity to give my own take and my own put my own style into something. That is, you know, a very recognizable 
I guess, mythological, you know, either creature or archetype of some kind. And and so, you know, so my work has evolved uh, from uh, what I was doing with them at first to what I'm doing now. But, yep, I do, I still do quite a bit of work with, uh, with Wizards of the Coast. And really... I mean, I also was, uh, I was playing Dungeons and Dragons when I was, you know, uh, you know, when I was a, a young kid. And, <laughs> and so, and, and so when they contacted me, uh, likewise, as I was mentioning with uh, Aliens and Predator, it was an interesting sort of nostalgic moment. And, you know, I it couldn't pass it up. So, uh, so, you know, in a way they contacted me and then the rest is history. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's, it is good to be able to get a regular gig, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly. I mean, that's definitely, I think, um, like partially the biggest challenge, but also to some degree the biggest misconception that a lot of people might have about freelance artists is that that you that you don't know exactly like how many jo- how many projects are you going to have in the course of a single year, and, and the truth is that you don't. But but my experience is that. Uh, it becomes surprisingly stable uh in the sense that if you if you nurture your relationships with uh with art directors with your clients and and you you obviously work hard to keep the uh to be consistent with the quality of the work then uh people will always find you and and you'll have older clients and you'll have all and as long as you keep putting your stuff out there there'll be new clients that come along all the time just like you showing up and looking at uh talking to John and looking at the wizard's website and and uh simply oh hey look at that and uh and uh again <laughs> uh, now our now we're part of that history again it's like you started uh you saw you found it and organically here we are yeah cuz i said hey i like this piece and and you know uh tell me more about this that this uh, artist that you have here, and he, he, you know, he did, and it helps. But that's, you know, that's how it should work with with uh, with with the industry. You know, helping each other to uh, be able to get your work out to people who will love that it, you know, love your style. And I can, and he, I find it hard to imagine what it, uh, what it, what it must have been like, really, before there was an internet, <laughs> because. There are there are so many more uh, there's so many more opportunities to get exposure uh, as as an artist uh, for your artwork and put it out there and it's true that it can there's a flood of 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 imagery that you can that it can that your art could be lost in or drowned in but at the same time it's also um, that's the challenge of the artist is to create something that that rises above the white noise and can and can come out but you just have no idea who's going to come across your artwork once it's out there and mm-hmm. that that's both you know that that's both exciting and it's true that it's unpredictable it's so you just you just can't say who who's going to just uh, uh come across it randomly and mm-hmm. uh and I've had a lot of very pleasant surprises about the you know, people that have contacted me uh to do work Almost on a whim, just from something they they had crossed paths with. So, uh, how it how it worked before when there was no internet, I'm not even sure. But uh, but uh, I've heard anecdotes of how it must have gone, and uh, that just seems like a different world. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, they had to uh, obviously, you know, do a lot more uh, regionalization. You know, they can't. Exactly. They couldn't, you couldn't really go to all these different states and and put your work out there. You had no, to actually, really. you know, you had to pound the pavement and go to the different. Uh, I think they had more a lot more art galleries than uh, locally, and uh, oh, yeah. it, it's a different world. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a different like everything, like like everything else. Uh, you know, the internet has changed our our world that we're doing business in. Mm-hmm. That's right. I, I, I create newspapers for you know, just part yeah. of what I do. I, I can do this job pretty much anywhere in the world. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. And and I do that uh, when I travel. Uh, I take my work with me. And uh, and I've you know I've lived in a number of places and I move around a lot because uh, because new environments are. Uh, inspire me, and uh, and I'm not. I don't think I'm done moving. <laughs> I still, I still intend to uh, to live in some other places around the world, and uh, and doing my job anywhere in the world is only is only becoming easier um, with the more connected that we all become. So, so as much as I sometimes uh, can feel a little uh, overwhelmed by the internet and and how ever present it is. Um, I also owe a, a huge debt to that technology in in what it's allowed you know my lifestyle to be and uh, so yeah like I said it'd be it'd be hard to imagine doing this uh, being a freelance illustrator in a different era so but uh, yeah, I appreciate I, I, where I am now I wouldn't have seen your work as you know honestly I'm not a Dungeon and Dragons person so right. <laughs> <laughs> my now my best friends work. I you know mm-hmm. I had I had geek friends you know and, and they liked the Dungeons and Dragons and and I was more of a uh, on hands kind of person so uh, you know I, I like actually sh- shooting and and you I like to like doing that not you know behind the scenes kind of thing so but you know they all did so <laughs> yeah it's definitely a part of that world yet not kind of funny that way. Well, that's the thing. You don't even have to be part of that world in order to to see the trappings of that world. So you can just you can just uh, travel through it and uh, and have a look at it without actually taking part in it in a big way. So yeah, it's a lot of opportunities. And since you worked on video games, just bring that up for a little bit here, and uh, and we can kind of kick off. Um, it's been an hour, but I, I can talk to you about video games here if you don't mind. Not at all. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, it is something that that you know. It's not just video games, but role-playing games. Uh, I think role-playing games are, are actually on the uprise. Do you find that to be true? Are you talking about uh, things like World of Warcraft? What's the online role-playing games? Is that well, World of Warcraft, but more more or less the role-playing games that where where uh, people are creating worlds. Oh yeah, and creating characters, and then of course you're playing, uh, like at conventions or, or you know, even at the game store down the street. Oh, of um, course. And I, I definitely I think that. Yeah, you think yeah, that's on the rise. That, yeah, I definitely think that that is uh, that is on the rise, and I think that it will become probably uh, more integrated into our just our cultural presence as time goes on. Much like we were just we were just talking about how you don't play Dungeons and Dragons, or but you have you know that you have friends that do. Um, the the online 
role-playing games, they definitely, or you know, or the ones they might play as cards or something, they uh, they allow people to kind of they can either kind of dip their toe in the water and just do it a little bit and just uh, and get a little bit of that experience, or it allows people to basically let it take over their entire lives. So there's a whole range of uh, of your of your opportunity to take part in that that um, that you really couldn't do when you were just doing it with books and paper. Oh, you could do that. It could be a little bit as far as taking over your life, but but now it's uh, it's just so readily available. Whether it's on your like if you're if you're you know, taking a subway ride, you can be on your phone playing it or. If uh, you know, it's like I mean, people can do it during their lunch break at work. It's it's something that's it's so ubiquitous that that there, yeah, there's no doubt that it's on the rise. But I also think that it's it's beyond just the uh, it's beyond just the idea of having fun playing something. It's also like meaning it's it's not just the the joy of of uh, playing like a game like a board game. It's it's uh you know people are living out uh, a sort of a fantasy of being somebody else and mm-hmm. and you know we're, we and if you live in the hustle and bustle of uh of our society and you're not just you know off uh you know very quiet place in the mountains or something then you know it, our you know our rat race can be quite oppressive at times and people need an escape and i think that that uh uh, role-playing games is how they escape. And I think that more and more people are doing it and there's less of a stigma to it And uh, as far as being too nerdy or something like that. And uh, and more, more and more people are, are are taking part in it and seeing that it that it can be, I think, at times kind of therapeutic. Um, but uh, although personally I do, I don't play those games or anything like that. I actually don't play hardly any video games um, anymore. Um, I think working on them for so long, I uh, I was I think uh, uh, you know behind behind the curtain and seeing all the strings being pulled a little too much, and yeah. now I'm I I, I don't uh, I don't crave that experience anymore. <laughs> but uh, but I yeah. can see how it, re- it would be on the rise. So I have people ask me all the time, so what are you reading now? And I said, you know, honestly, I don't read for the fun of it anymore. Uh, huh. Not. Not enough because I'm creating the books or, or I'm writing the stories, um, and so I'm having to. It's, it's work now. <laughs> well, there's no doubt that I, uh, I I certainly don't read very many uh, fantasy or science fiction novels for fun anymore because I get enough opportunities to read them throughout the year as part of work, and I enjoy yeah. reading them for for work. Yeah. But it's true I don't tend to uh, spend as much time uh, reading that in my spare time. So honestly. Uh, what I what I spend I spend most of my time um, reading is nonfiction. So I I uh-huh. tend to uh, I tend to be interested in subjects that are pretty far away from the work that I do, and uh, and because that gives me just a, a sort of mental uh, not well not only a mental break from my work but also just it's kind of like flexing a muscle where if you if you are, you know, just doing the same exercise over and over again, you're not your whole your whole body's not getting the proper workout. So, same mm-hmm. with the brain. I, you know, I I, I can work it out with, with my imagination for the science fiction and fantasy worlds, but I also like to spend a lot of time pondering, you know, the real world as well, and and the and the way things really work, and 
and I love history. I want to know, like, uh, I, I want to ground my uh, my imagination in stuff that's real. So, uh, so from you know, from histories all the way up to you know, uh, modern explorations and psychology and such, all that kind of stuff interests me as an addition to the uh, to the work that I do. Hmm. Well, you know, it's kind of funny. As I, you know, uh, was uh, getting to know your work a little bit and, and going back and forth talking to you a little bit, and I was thinking, I, wa- I was wondering how you were going to interview. <laughs> and thought, how does it compare? <laughs> it, it, you, totally, you totally blew me out of the water there. And I was thinking... <laughs> It's going to, I was thinking, man, I wonder if you can be so quiet that I have to, you know, really just reach out and grab him by the tongue in order to get him to say anything. But <laughs> you you have been, uh, you know, uh, very expressive. Uh, <laughs> you, you know your subject very well. You not have any problem, exp- and, you know, telling us um, very fine detail what you think. And I think that you're going to be an absolutely awesome guest. Well, thank you very much. I uh I I honestly don't really crave uh being uh I'd say I guess in the spotlight that much. Uh but I, I it's true that I don't have I don't have any problem uh getting into a discussion. Uh I, I mean I enjoy I enjoy it, but uh but I, I wouldn't say that I, I, I probably don't seek it out uh just for the simple joy of it. But that probably means that uh I've got a lot of uh Pent up ideas that I need to express. So when I get an opportunity, it all just comes flowing out. So. Wow. <laughs> well, see, cause when I talked to John, I, I said, "Well, how do you think he, he would do in front of others? Because it, <laughs> it's it's not just that you did beautiful work, but how are you going to uh, how are you going to how are you going to be seen at you know by our members? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How how can you mm-hmm. communicate with them? And he says, he said, well, I haven't met him in person. And I, I thought, okay, uh-oh. He said he's very yeah. professional. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which is, is, a, is a great thing for our director to say, but as a, as somebody who's looking for somebody a little more uh, spontaneous and, and, and fun to be around, because that's really what these people are looking for is entertainment. <laughs> That's true, and I and I totally realize that, and I wouldn't take on a uh, uh, accept a, uh, a a position as the guest of honor if I <laughs> if I didn't feel I was up to it and was hopefully giving people their money's worth out of it, as in the people buying the tickets to come into the convention. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it'll be I think it'll be a good time. I, I, I think they're going to be it. pleasantly surprised, just like I am. <laughs> so that's it's good. Yeah. Don't worry. No, I can I'm, talk I'm about a lot of things now. other than just art, too. So, yeah. Well, yeah. That's why I asked you about gaming. You know, because uh, we will be getting you are in a couple panels with John about uh-huh. the gaming world and and how to build the you know build the world. Um, mm-hmm. And so it'd be good. So you're going to be in a couple panels with him. That'd be kind of fun for you. Yeah, absolutely. I did spend eight years working full time at a video game company. So. Uh, I, I do know fairly well the ins and outs of it. Although that was a number of years ago, I've I've been into uh, gaming uh, uh, gaming companies recently, doing some work for them. And the truth is, things haven't changed very much. But the process of building a world—that's what video games are all about. So 
So mm-hmm. I think it all does it all does tie together. So uh, I think that uh, there will be a lot to say about that, and I hope that yeah. the uh, I hope that the audience will also uh, want to be involved in that conversation as well, and that they'll have plenty of good comments and questions to uh, oh, throw in. Yeah, there. yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> If not, you know, I'm sure we can just figure out a way to just have a conversation right in front of them and just let let us go, and then we'll be fine. <laughs> I have seen it both ways, you know. It's it's. Uh, uh, yeah. so I've been going to conventions for over 20 years. Time, uh, and uh, it, it's been an interesting process, and it's something I'm not sure I want to do a whole lot again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoy working with with. You know, artists and and authors. Yeah, I like yeah. getting to meet you guys, and that's really right, so. what it's all about. Well, I'm and looking forward to meeting you as well. So it'll be a <laughs> it'll be a good time. Dale, we're at the tail end of our conversation, and I know you're going to be in Arizona. That that's you're going to be Arizona next week. Now, I do know you're staying a little longer. Did you have something else that you're planning on going out and seeing the sites while you're here? Well, actually, I, I actually have an old friend who lives in the Phoenix area, and uh, I haven't gotten the chance to uh, spend time with him in a while. So, uh, so I think that yeah, I'll, I'll just spend time with friends. And uh, I, I've been to the Phoenix area a, a number of times. So, I uh, yeah, I think that uh, I, it was a good it was a good opportunity to uh, to uh, to uh, I, I guess you could say that doing a convention is work, uh, although I consider it to be. <laughs> Kind of a little bit of play as well, um, um, but to also get just get in some uh, some uh, personal friend time uh, while I'm there and enjoy enjoy the desert as best I can. Uh, I don't know how hot it is right there right now, but I'm assuming it's I, it's, it's creeping up pretty good. Yeah, we've already reached double digits or triple digits, so we've already get, wow. already reached 101 last weekend. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> well, uh, I'll enjoy. That night really nice enjoy though. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's 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 about ninety eight, ninety eight, and so that's uh, that's about the average right now. Um, the weekend, well, yeah, on, on during at night though, I mean, you can still open the doors and windows, and and it's still cool enough breeze without having to have the air AC on. So, but by the middle of the afternoon, three or four, I'm, I'm you know, and working in here, going like, okay, you know, might be time to actually turn on the AC a little bit. Because I've been trying not to. <laughs> so much I think it'll, I think I'll enjoy it. I've I've spent uh, most of my life living in pretty hot places, so I uh, I think that uh, it won't be too, anything too out of the ordinary for me. But uh, well, but it'll be good. To, but I always enjoy traveling, and that's it's always fun to be in a new place. You live in California, so is, you know. I mean, what part of California do you live in? Uh, currently, currently I'm living in Southern California. I'm living in uh, in Los Angeles. So, uh, and even more specifically, I guess I'm actually living in Hollywood, which is kind of strange. Oh. Uh, it's that's something I, I've only lived here for about uh, uh, for about seven or eight months. But uh, but I'm originally from Southern California, so it's uh, it's not an unfamiliar place to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, but this uh, but the area that, that I'm living in is is a new place for me. So it, it's still it's still exciting and new in its in its way. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I knew you lived around the LA area. I was just thinking you were a Sacramento area, but yeah, that's close enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I did no. just actually move down here from living in the Bay Area, 
So I, uh, uh-huh. okay. uh, so I, uh, so I've experienced uh, weather on both ends of the spectrum. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Bay, Bay, area, Bay Area is real weird. It can get uh, pretty downright chilly there. That's right. So um, I always ask a question. Well, uh, you know, especially if, if the if the character of the person I'm interviewing would play well with it. So I'm going to ask you my question. And you answer however, you know, you see fit to answer it. Mm-hmm. The question is, now that you have successfully slain the dragon, how will you celebrate? <laughs> oh, no, I successfully slain the dragon. How will I celebrate? I think, I think that I will... I will have a great feast. I think that that's exactly what I will do, <laughs> having slain the dragon. No doubt about it. <laughs> I will have the greatest party ever. That's what we're going to do. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Simple as that. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And it's, just a, it's a great question because, honestly, everybody answers differently. And it says a lot about their personality, depending on what they oh. say. Well, that, Somebody, that, that makes me sound quite selfish and uh, and uh, <laughs> and no, uh, no. self-indulgent, but uh, <laughs> no, I think that's what no. I do. <laughs> Look at it this way: so you just you just killed the dragon. You might as well eat him, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. Hopefully, the dragon tastes <laughs> good. It's kind of pragmatic, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think that I'm not. I don't. I wouldn't want it to go to waste or anything. So no. hey, you know, let's let's you know, you stop burning the village and now feed the village. It's all good. <laughs> There you go. So it, it definitely uh, plays in well with uh, with who you know who you are. Because I had somebody ask me that during a, a writing interview, and I thought, well, what a weird, weird, quirky, but kind of cool question. Uh, and so I've been using it ever since. That's funny. That's a good question. <laughs> I like it. Uh, so with- how did you answer it then? Well, you know, kind of funny because I, I I said uh, that I would I would uh, burn the carcass on on a huge bonfire and uh, and drink heartily uh, as I danced around <laughs> as I danced around the bonfire. So <laughs> I I partied. <laughs> you did party. <laughs> hey, you just you just did a monumental thing. You might as well party. <laughs> I think so. Slaying the dragon is a lot of effort, so I, I yeah. say that you're that anyone is you're you're totally justified in rewarding yourself. I think you're fine. <laughs> so you say you're you're feeling gu- gu- slightly guilty because you think it's uh, selfish. No, it's it's who you are. <laughs> I'm just looking at it from all sides, <laughs> but I don't. I might say that, but I've not retracted my answer. My answer still no, <laughs> and don't and you don't. I don't let you do that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. When you first come out of your mouth, because it it just it shows you who you are. So I think that everybody's going to enjoy uh, you know the weekend next weekend, and uh, <laughs> and I look forward to seeing you there. You're going you're coming in on two, on Thursday, so you'll be able to enjoy the film festival. Um, I know we've got some media people coming, some different companies uh, to do some video and, and audio. So um, you'll be ready with your A game. I certainly will be. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to see you on Thursday, and uh, you guys have, you have a great night, okay? Oh, Thanks great. so Thank much. You for, Thanks thank so you much. for having me on. No, thank you. <laughs> All right, I will see you Thursday, and, uh, yeah, thanks again. All right, bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.
That was Raymond Swanland, and of course he was a quite uh, surprising a pleasure to talk to. Uh, this is Patty Holstrand, this is KWAD Radio. And what do we have coming up, you ask? Well, we're going to take it a little slower probably the rest of this weekend. I've got uh, something going on. We're, of course, getting ready for Leprechaun, which, of course, is freaking me out. So uh, we're getting all that done, but this this weekend, of course, on the 4th. You have to remember that the 4th is uh, Free Comic Book Day, which is a big big day for for geeks all over the world. Free comic book day. And I will be probably going out to a couple of the comic book stories during the day and uh, into the evening to uh, celebrate and, of course, cover some of what they're going to be doing. Um, we are talking to, see, on Monday, KWAD Radio, uh, we have space our space show with Don, and we'll be talking more again about um, homesteading space. And what we should be doing, we should be going to the moon or should we go, be going straight to Mars. So that's a big uh, hub of that's out. Um, also, if you are interested in getting any information uh, on the convention, definitely let me know. I am on Facebook at pj.holstrand, H-U-L-T-S-T-R-A-N-D. I will also be having a pre-con show here on KWOD Radio for... What we call Warriors of the Rainbow Precon Show for Leprechaun on Tuesday at 5:30. So the show, the space show on Monday the 6th will be at 6, starting at 6 p.m. And the Escape the Grind Warriors of the Rainbow Precon Show with a couple of uh, uh, guests from the convention coming on and talking to us. And that'll be on Tuesday the uh, the 7th, May 7th, from 5:30. And then I'm probably not going to have anything on again until um, on Monday the the 12th, which will be still at the convention. We're going to do a live show directly from one of our panels, something we've never done before. I'll be doing a live show directly from the panel um, on how to build the audience. So I uh, wish me luck on that. Hopefully everything works out with the Wi-Fi. <laughs> that's always a hit and miss when it comes to hotels so hope that works if it doesn't then I'll just pre-do the show and then I'll put it up later uh, we escape the grind uh, post-con show uh, on the 14th talking to some of the guests they didn't like and uh, some outrageous and what they would do if they were in charge kind of thing Anyway, that's going to be it for now. And uh, this is KWOD Radio and this is Patty Holstrand signing off. I'm going to go get a drink. And I'm going to get back for a little bit before I start getting into something new. So you guys have a great night and we'll see you soon.